I want you to help me welcome back to our show, VCL Brian Show, my good friend, Attorney Mark. How are you, friend? CL, good to talk to you again, friend, and then I value your friendship as well. Thank you so much for that, Mark. Mark, I want to get into something that I know that you have insight and you have expertise on it as well. Now, we've just gotten a nominee for the Supreme Court. I think she's just fantastic in my in my cornfield uh, way of looking at it. But tell me from an attorney's standpoint, someone who has who is definitely a conservative. And I want to tell you folks that you're talking to two conservatives, one white, one black from the same city in the south. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Mark, how do you how do you how do you view Amy uh, Coney Barrett? Well, she's a nominee who, in the past, would have been a, approved a hundred to nothing. In the old days, before the litmus test came into vogue for Supreme Court nominees, which was brought in by the the Democrats, by the way, uh, justice nominees were voted on whether they're competent or not, whether they had the scholarship, whether they had the legal background. And we didn't look at what their views were because the Supreme Court is not a policy-making body. Their job is to interpret the law, the Supreme from the Constitution on down. And so you look at their competency, their qualifications. It, it's, it's only been since really uh, Justice Bork, uh, when the Democrats attacked him because he was conservative, that they made this a game ever since then, and it's gotten to be a very ugly game. But she is highly qualified. She is brilliant. Top of her class, Notre Dame, a top law school, which usually is always a requirement, and she her credentials are impeccable. Uh, it, it shouldn't even be a controversy at all. Mark, let me ask you this. When you you use the phrase interpret the law now 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 friends I want you to hear me across country and wherever you are maybe across the globe I, 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 I but I know here in this country we hear this a lot uh, it, it, the interpretation of the Constitution interpretation of the law Mark when an attorney says that when we hear that from a legal mind what are we hearing what do we what, what, what's America should we hear what we should hear well every lawyer is taught as a fundamental principle in the year one of law school that you interpret uh, documents, whether it be a constitution, a statute, or even a contract provision, by reading the plain wording of the document. And you don't twist the words. You just, you accept what they're plain meaning in. And only if it's vague or ambiguous do you go into what we call further interpretation. You look at the legislative history, if it's a statute, or you look at the intent of the parties, if it's a contract. But only if it's vague or not clear on its face. On its face means if it's obvious. And so... That's what courts are supposed to do, absolutely, and say, look, that's what this word means. And it doesn't matter what my views are as a justice, whether I like the law or don't like the law. I I say, this is what the rules say. This is what the word means, and therefore that's how it's kind of interpreted. And if we get into the discussion of conservative justices, she is conservative because she's an originalist which means she does that she says yeah i do the way i was trained i interpret the plain meaning of the law and sometimes even a conservative so-called conservative judge reads a law that says hey that's what that word means and may give a ruling that conservative politically conservative people may not like but they're being honest to the true meaning of being an, uh, an originalist and doing their job whereas the more liberal judges are kind of uh 
agenda oriented. They look at, in my view, and I learned, I, I formed this view in law school. I said, this judge just looks at the parties who he wants to win and then argues like a lawyer instead of a judge toward that end. And that is not what a lawyer is supposed to do or a judge and certainly a justice of the Supreme Court. Let me ask you this then, because, Mark, you see, I want to thank my producer for uh, having having you on today, because this is the perfect day to have this on. Folks, get your popcorn out, your beverages of choice, uh, whatever it is. I don't I recommend drinking and driving, so you drink whatever you want as far as that's concerned. Uh, but tonight is going to be one of those nights where America is going to be drunk texting, I know. And so do not drink and drive. Don't, I don't recommend it. I don't recommend drinking testing or, or texting but tonight is one of those nights and uh, but have fun out there America and listen close because there, th- this question has to be asked and I think Chris Wallace might just be on it tonight uh, Mark let me ask you this when we when we talk about then uh, a justice who ascends to the Supreme Court and then uh, is that why we have amendments to the Constitution because there are some vague places in the Constitution that might have to have been amendment amended, but does the Constitution, on its uh, spirit from its from its writing, the words that are there in black and white, do we uh, look for a, a judge who looks for the original meaning of those things? Talk to us about that. Yeah, the uh, the original meaning. The Constitution is written in broad terms, and it's 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 kind of like an envelope or a framework. And basically, it's saying Congress has the power, and the power is given to Congress and the President. And Articles one and Articles two, so on. It says as long as what you do stays within this framework, it's when a statute starts to touch the barrier that it gets challenged by somebody who's who doesn't like it. And then the court has to look at the statute and they get all these tests, whether it's narrowly tailored or whether this issue deserves strict scrutiny or not a whole bunch of that mumbo jumbo legal stuff. But this is, these are the tests that the courts follow. And what's interesting that the the nine justices all pretty much know the process of analyzing it, but they end up with different results because uh, they take a word and meet and move it around differently. But the the test in the process is similar. They all agree on that. And that, that's why the, uh, um, Justice, um, the one that just passed away, I'm, I'm going blank on that. She and uh, Ginsburg, Ginsburg. Ginsburg was, was good friends uh, with Scalia, even though they were just it pulls on the policy because nine five out of a hundred cases are don't involve certain something controversial. They're talking about the words in the tax code and, and how to apply that to a particular case. So it's only one case in 50 that it really has headline type stuff, but they you're supposed to interpret it based on, as I said at the outset, the plain meaning of the words. And some of them get carried away because if they have an agenda, they what we call torture the words, meaning twist them around to where they're unrecognizable. Wow. And that's where interpretation abuse gets. And, and activist judges, which most of them have been uh, from the left, have taken that as a – it's been an unfortunate part of our history that they've tried to use the court to undo what they don't 
if they've lost in the legislature and and they <laughs> that's that's really done some damage to our constitution and you know what mark let me ask you this uh when we you and i uh, remember ronald reagan tip o'neill you know and you just mentioned ginsburg and scalia uh who were friends and ronald reagan and tip o'neill were, were friends they were friends and mm-hmm. what is what is what happened to the era when our politicians that we'd send up to the hill could actually get our business done without the type of, I just have to say it, Mark, crap that's going on right now. I mean, there was a time in America when we actually got business done. Is it just during the the latter part of the George W. era and all of the Obama era that we are seeing this type of discord? I mean, when did it occur? When did you start seeing it? Well, it's been going on a long time, but it's been growing. It's been more and more liberal. Got the uh, movement in over that time, and yes, it's gotten now ugly. Is what you said in the last few years? It's the worst I've ever seen. And of course, with Trump, the way they treated him is unlike anything before. And I think, in my own view, is that part of the problem for the the powder keg has been the media. We used to have an objective, somewhat objective media. We knew they were liberal in the sixties and seventies, and they were growing more liberal all the time. But they also were true to their profession of try at least to have an appearance of objectivity. And so the real story could get out and people could decide. So people would be civil to each other because if they were ugly, it would hurt them. But now it's like they can get away with it because the media is just a totally monolithic narrative pro-Democrat, anti-Republican or conservative, and so they can get away with it. And I think, in my view, the reason it's gotten so much uglier and hateful is that they can get away with it because the truth it can, can be covered up, whereas in the old days, the truth couldn't stay covered up for long. It would eventually come out. That's Mark, my own view of it. Mark, let me ask you this then. Uh, let's switch to uh, what's going on tonight. We we touched upon it uh, a little bit, but tonight uh, you have Joe Biden uh, gets his chance to, to show he can stand there without uh, falling apart. And I think the president is bad. I know. In fact, Mark, I know the president is battle-tested. He is ready. He's biting at the bits to go. In fact, folks, you know I've submitted uh, my statement for him to say there on the stage tonight. We'll see what happens. Y'all keep an eye out for it. I'm hoping he says, Joe, uh, good to see you. Glad you're here tonight. I'm surprised you showed up. If the president comes out swinging like that, I think he'll keep uh, Joe Biden off uh, balance all the time. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark, let me ask you this. And my special guest is Attorney Mark. He's on with me here, a friend of mine. And both of us are Southern boys from the great state of Louisiana and the great town, hometown of Shreveport. And uh, we're doing our bit to try to keep Shreveport stabilized as long as I'm here, Mark, as long as I'm here. But anyway, let me me ask you this, man. Uh, When we look at this debate tonight, uh, which would probably be the most watched uh, in the history of televised debates since Jack Kennedy and and Dick Nixon, uh, when we look at this tonight, what are we looking for? Have we set the bar too low for Joe Biden? Does he, does he only have to show up? I mean, what, what's, what's going to happen here tonight? Talk to us. Well, there's different schools of thought on this. Some people say that debates don't ever win it for anybody, but you can lose it at a debate. They say Nixon sweating and, and George H.W. Bush looking at his watch and all those things is where they lost it. I, I don't know that that's true, but they have to have something to talk about in the media. 
And you know tomorrow, no matter what, the media is going to say that Biden won. Okay, so but people who tune in, and I hope you're right, if they tune in and they'll actually see for themselves, uh, I think Biden can lose it because everybody's worried about his uh, mental acuity at this point. And they're prepping him, and maybe he'll get through it. And, and unfortunately, if he gets through it okay, they may say, well, then that's a win because he didn't step in any holes. But he used to step in holes when he, before he started having dementia. <laughs> he, was a ga- he was a gaffe machine back 20 years ago. <laughs> and so uh, uh, they're worried about him. They're really worried about him. And I, I thought it was interesting at the Democratic convention, uh, Bill Clinton spoke. You know, obviously in favor of the nominee and all the party stuff. And I started thinking, well, let me see. Bill Clinton was president for eight years. He's been out of office for 20 years. Wow. And he's still four years younger than Joe Biden. Wow. (laughs) And and they say age doesn't matter. And they tried to say that with Reagan only because of his age. Well, but he didn't show any symptoms of age. He was strong and powerful, and yet he was younger when he left office than than Biden will be he was in his first term. Ronald Reagan so was something. He was it, something else. They'll say it, it's definitely an issue, and everybody's going to be watching whether. And, and some people think Biden will just won't answer the question. He'll just go to some rote uh, attack on on Trump and try to skate with that. And not lose it. And if he doesn't lose it, you know, but I personally don't believe the polls either. So uh, I, I don't think that's that's the whole story. <laughs> Mark, if uh, I imagine if Joe Biden was hearing you talk, he'd say, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I think we may. I don't know if we'll ever hear that on the stage tonight. But uh, Joe, I, 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 I'm with you, Mark, as far as that's concerned. Uh, stay with me on the other side. I hope you can stay with me through the through the break, Mark, because I, I have Certainly. this thing to, to talk to you about uh, this cancel culture thing is something that I think that uh, you and I can uh, talk to uh, from a Southern man uh, point of view. And folks, let me tell you something out there. You folks out there, uh, I want you to hear, stay tuned to this conversation that's coming up between uh, my good friend, Attorney Mark, and myself. Because as I said to you earlier, that he is a Southern white man. I am a Southern black man. And I know that many of you may not consider uh, blacks who grow up in the South as Southerners. Yes, we are. And the strangest thing that you and other parts of the country may not understand about Southerners is that Southerners have these many things in common, white or black, whoever we are. Uh, One, we eat the same foods. Uh, You Northerners don't. I mean, you know, you you go into Chicago and different neighborhoods and so forth, the food's different. In the South, we enjoy the same kind of foods, white or black. We believe in our faith. Our, we, we're people of faith down here, and, and usually it's uh, evangelical and uh, in, in nature, fundamentalist in nature. That's, that's the way we are, white or black. We have the same moral code in the South, white or black. And Margaret Odom and I can, can speak to this as far as the cancel culture is concerned. I, I've told you all, uh, and it's in my book, it's in my, I was born in a hospital called Confederate Memorial Hospital. It changed the name to LSU uh, Hospital over the years, and I think it's Oshner and what have you over the years. But some people are horrified when I say that on the road, that you were born in Confederate Memorial Hospital. Yeah. And if you change any part of that history in my life, you have changed my entire history. 
America, I'm proud of that. It's a part of my entire makeup. I'm a Southerner. America is who she is because of the history we have. When we return, Attorney Mark and I will open that up and climb into it and and tell you why. We should let all of those monuments, whatever they are, whoever they, whatever it is that you're trying to cancel, stay exactly where they are. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant Show. Coast to coast, border to border, over the most listened to platform in the country. Red State. <laughs> Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL back with you on this great day in the USA. Always getting text and so forth in between. Forgive me for coming in a little late, but I'm better late, I guess, than never on live radio. And I have on with me my good buddy, uh, Attorney Mark, is on. He has been a regular on the show in times past, and uh, he's on with me today. Always gives interesting insight from uh, the legal perspective because that's the kind of mind he has been trained to have. And, of course, that's his pedigree from his family. And he has given us the insight for the, uh, the Supreme Court pick. The insight for what could and might happen on the debate stage tonight. But friends, because he and I are both Southerners and Southerners, uh, Southern white men in particular, and and then even us Southern black men who lean lean conservative are probably the two most uh, misunderstood groups of men on the face of the entire planet. And so uh, here we go. And let's open this up for conversation between myself and attorney Mark. And we'll soon have the phone lines open so that we can uh, talk about this with your calls and so forth. Mark, uh, this cancel culture thing that's going on in this country right now what do you think the true end game for that is it can't be what they're saying talk to us well however you define that but part of the ugliness that we've talked about earlier is that they're actually avoiding the, i'm talking about the left the 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 liberals, whatever the the terms were, progressive, they don't really want to have a real dialogue on anything. They want to, their strategy is to shut down discussion 
and they, they do one of two things. Uh, you know, back when I was in middle and high school, started having civics classes and debating things, you know, we would discuss them, honestly look at the facts, give different opinions, and then go off and remain friends, like we talked about earlier with uh, Reagan and, and uh, Tip O'Neill. Now the left has brought in the template that they immediately identify the parties, and if and what they try to do is villainize our side, no matter what we do. Uh, call you a racist, call you hateful, say you're motivated by hate, and therefore disqualify you from speaking. And then they give themselves license to censor you. Well, you're a bad person, so you can't talk, so you have to sit down and shut up. And on the other side, they they or their constituents are all victims. And if they're victims, then they don't have to legitimize their argument either. They just say, hey, we win by default because it's owed to us. And and, and once again, say, sit down and shut up. So their approach to everything is really to shut down honest discussion. They've changed the rules. And this, this, this cancel culture and all the other things, hateful things, have come out of it. They've given themselves license to be hateful, to censor, to be mean-spirited, because they have determined that you're that way, even without proving it at all. And that's how they've treated Trump now for almost four years. They, In fact, the pattern has become whatever they say about Trump is not true. They'd have no evidence for it, but it usually is true about them. And yeah. that's, and, and, and because, like I said earlier, because of the media, they can get away with it. And that's why it's turned so bad. So the counter, the, the cancel culture and all those things and the ugliness, those things are all related to this, uh, this MO, this modus operandi, the way they speak, you know, are you a villain? Are you a victim? And that's all that matters. And then, shut you down and it's it's the my advanced age it's the ugliest period of dialogue in my memory uh by far wow. and it's it's very troubling very wow. troubling and i'm right there with you mark you know because um we, when we think back and you and i were both here on alive on planet earth and uh you know kind of we, we um, you know you're just a couple of years older than i am but we were we were kids of course but but just the same we remember 1964. We remember 1965. Our parents uh, were a part of all that, you know, you know that, that's going on here. And the, the the monuments that are in front of the courthouse, the one you know that you and I know that I'm talking about downtown, it, it was there when the Civil Rights Act was of 64 when 65 were signed, uh, and and all of those statues and images around the country were there when Dr. King uh, did all of his marches. And they didn't stop. My point is this, Mark. Those statues were not King's focus point. They were they didn't hinder the work of America progressing. Is it possible that what you've just said uh, uh, is ignoring the fact that the images have nothing to do with the progress that has been made in this country? Why try to attack the images, Mark? Well, it's it's silly because I said the, the statue in front of the courthouse here in Shreveport, I've walked past it a thousand times in my law practice, never once noticed the busts and the names of them and read the inscription, never once. I wasn't even interested in it. They were Confederate leaders and stuff like that. Only when attention was brought to it that I said, what is the upset? And I read it. First time in 30 years, 
I've seen Beauregard and who he was, and where, I, I didn't know anything about him, and I didn't care. And and you know what people will forget is that uh, I forget his name, the guy in South Carolina that went in that church and murdered the nine black yeah. people. Yeah, and it was at that time we started having the remove the statues stuff. Well, there's no no way that he was motivated by any statue or anything Confederate. It, just no. the reaction was out of grief and anger, which is somewhat understandable. They wanted to have some political given to him. And yet when uh, Dylan Roof was his name, he yeah. was interviewed in prison. Why did you do this? And he said, I want to start a race war. Yeah. Well, guess what? Their reaction is giving him what he wished for because now he's sitting in prison. I don't know if he's been executed or not or what. He's laughing. Because all this arguing over statues and fights and rights, he, he's getting what he wanted. He's starting a race war. And, and so it's just so counterproductive. Mark, and, you made and, me and, think about I said, well, Louis Farrakhan, the David Dukes of the world, unite. I mean, I, I, you know, and, and, and this guy, this guy you're talking about, uh, there, Dylan Ruth in, in South Carolina, re- unite. Because all of these people are basically the same people. Louis Farrakhan, Al Sharpton, uh, David Duke, Dylan Ruth, the Ku Klux Klan, they're the same people, folks. They're laughing at you. Because they're getting exactly what they want, you idiots. Please hear me. They're doing it. So, so the, the, the country shouldn't be this divided. Mark, it's always uh, my absolute pleasure to uh, talk to you. Uh, thank you so much for being there. Is there anything specifically that you want to leave the audience with here today about what we should look for and where we're headed as we head toward November 3rd? Well, I think the, those of us on the right need to s- stay the course as far as being civil and being kind. Don't don't take the bait. However, we don't also need to be like some of our rhino friends who think we have to cave in to everything the other side's saying because that doesn't work either. We need to stand firm but do it with the values that we've always had. Be who we are Be and be honest. And I... I, I my hope and prayer is that people will see it in the long run. And uh, I think I, I believe that the president will be reelected. I believe and certainly Miss uh, um, Barrett will be uh, take her seat with the Supreme Court. And uh, despite the, the acrimony and the screaming, the good things will still happen. You know, Mark, um, uh, everybody who speaks of you and I know that it's true myself. Uh, I appreciate you being the honest man, the trustworthy man that you are. So I, I want, I, I've asked uh, many people this question. I don't think I've ever asked you this question, but I've asked everybody from Sean Hannity to Judge Janine uh, this question, and it's about legacy. Uh, you, you have come from a great legacy in your family, but each man has to leave his own. When uh, you and your lovely wife are sitting there on the porch looking into the sunset, uh, looking off into the distance, your legacy, Mark, what would you want people to say about you that that i was an honest man that i did what i just said i hope that we continue to do that i spoke my mind in a civil and loving way true to my christian 
beliefs and treat everybody with respect. It's not about, it's, we're, we're individuals, we're not groups. That, that's the other thing that's so divisive. Putting people in groups is, is a lot of the ugliness. We're not groups. You're C.L. Bryant and I'm, I'm Mark. Yeah, you're, you're Attorney yeah, Mark. It's not, it's relevant for some discussion to point out that you're black and I'm white, but that's not who we are. It's it's your CL and I'm Mark. That's right. really who we are. And right. if we can return to that instead of putting a villain label, which the villain label comes from the groups or the victim label comes from the groups. And so if we focus on individuals, it'll be harder for them to put those labels and therefore harder for them to divide us. Wow. So you folks see why I wanted to have him on, see why I love his counsel. God bless you and God keep you continuing to fight the good fight, Mark, Attorney Mark, because you are fighting the good fight. Thank you again for being on with me here today. God bless. Talk to you soon.